Hey y'all. So when it comes to bodies, weight loss is not really something that I'm pursuing right now. But as you know, one of Vanessa's family members has been taking a GLP-1 medication and it's worked really well for him. So if that is part of your journey, you should check out the Roe Body Program. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Roe's partner handles all the insurance paperwork to help get the medication covered. If eligible for medication, patients have access to their provider on demand for any questions. Go to ro.co slash infamous. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash infamous. Campsite Media. So Taylor Swift would never have done anything like this. But this week, we're bringing you a blast from the past. The story of some of the most notorious burglars in the Hollywood Hills, who just so happened to be peer pressured teenagers. It's 2008, and a security camera at the gate of a mansion in the Hollywood Hills captures the image. Two people dressed in hoodies walk onto the property backwards so their faces won't be seen. On a hunch, they check underneath the doormat, and there it is, a spare key. Who leaves a spare key under the doormat? Especially in LA. Well, Paris Hilton did. That's hot. That's hot. That's hot. That's hot. That's hot. That is really hot. It's her mansion, and the two trespassers walk right in. Their names are Rachel Lee and Nick Prugo. Rachel Lee is an Asian-American teenager with long black hair. Nick is, in the parlance of the time, her gay best friend. Here's Rachel talking about how it felt walking up to that door. Going up to Paris Hilton's home. I felt like my heart was gonna combust out of me. Me and Nick, we were like, okay, does your heart feel like it's about to pop out of its chest? Because mine does too. <gasps> okay, let's keep going. They find her bedroom and the dressing room inside of it, stocked with more designer clothing than anyone could ever want. Plus a safe filled with expensive jewelry, which they don't even have to crack because she's so lazy, she's left it unlocked. Now, these two people know that Paris won't be back for days. One of the gossip mags reported she'd be out of town for some party. So they make themselves comfortable. Maybe they swing on the stripper pole in her house. They try on her clothes, rifle through her drawers, find a bag and begin to fill it with their spoils. Cash, clothes, jewelry, handbags. And then they head home. They'd hit Paris Hilton's house at least three more times before she'd even notice anything was missing. And they'd hit a few other celebrities' houses before the papers started giving them nicknames. The Hollywood Hills Burglars. The Burglar Bunch. But the name that eventually stuck was... The Bling Ring. From Sony Music Entertainment and Campside Media, this is Infamous. I'm Natalie Robomet. And I'm Vanessa Grigoriadis. And this episode, we're going to be talking about the very infamous Bling Ring. 
So the gist of it is a couple of teenagers get an idea to use celebrity gossip websites to find out when people like <laughs> Paris Hilton and Orlando Bloom and Lindsay Lohan and Megan Fox oh were going to be out at parties. Yeah. Red carpet things, things like that. And then they would go to their houses and rob them. And eventually they bring their friends into it. And as you can imagine, because these are high schoolers, the whole <laughs> thing gets a little out of hand, to say the least. Yeah, and this becomes such a captivating story in L.A. and for me personally. In college, my friend and I would recite this clip of Alexis Nyers, one of the main bling ring robbers, to each other. There's many things that I read in here that were false. Like you saying that I wore six-inch Louboutin heels to court with my tweed skirt when I wore four-inch little brown BB shoes. $29! Every time you yell, I have to re-record it! I just don't even understand. Like, this is your <laughs> one complaint that something was misreported about your heels that you were wearing to your robbery trial? Um, $29! Just... <laughs> <laughs> she should be proud of having Louboutins. She, I mean... you know, she has to own this image that she has of being <laughs> like a high-class robber. Right, and I think what made the bling ring so fascinating to me was that they were at once so relatable and also so unattainable. Their vapid consumerism and the illegality of what they were doing also gave you the opportunity to feel like you were better than them which is the same combination that makes reality TV so appealing. Like, these kids were almost the exact same age as me, and I totally knew kids in high school who shoplifted constantly. But the bling ring kids were in Calabasas, which was a world away from me, and they weren't stealing from H&M. They were robbing the homes of some of the most famous people in the world, which I had no access to. But of course, I'd like to think that I'd be too good to steal from someone and that I wouldn't care about those designer goods like Dior purses or Rolex watches. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of hilarious and weird, but these robberies made the robbers into celebrities themselves. Right. And there were like very real consequences as well. I mean, there were reports that the bling ring robberies influenced young celebrities in particular to up their home security. And, you know, I feel like now everyone, even regular people have a ring camera at least. Yes. And I mean, everybody has sort of heard this story. You know, chances are that you like are somewhat aware of the press coverage or the documentaries about it or Sofia Coppola's movie about it. If you haven't heard about it, get ready because it is sort of a wild ride. So you interviewed one of the first people who worked on that story. Yes, I actually talked to my old friend Alan Salkin, who grew up in Calabasas, which is either where the teenagers were from or right near. And he went back home from New York, he flew back home to report this story for the New York Times. Hey, Alan. Vanessa. How are you? Fabulous, actually. How are you? Why does the bling ring still fascinate us? How are we taking a story from like 2008, 2009, and we are talking about it in 2324? I think the bling ring, you know, shows us at the dawn of a new era of technology where it's going not just from the kind of business and sort of innocent blogging time, which was a really sweet kind of time when, you know, they were talking about things like narrow casting. The internet was supposed to be a place where you could, 
you know, express yourself in a new way and find new new um, social groups. And it had a lot of promise. And in a way, the, the bling ring is a moment where it shows the, this new generation raised on technology, twisting it, you know, towards evil. And I, I think you, you take that interesting moment, which now seems almost innocent, mm-hmm. uh, combine it with a great name, the bling yes. ring. And you've got a like a nice little confection that we just can't stop sucking on. <laughs> okay, so you are this man about town in New York, but you are actually from Calabasas, which is where the bling ring sort of occurred, right? It was Agora Hills. Yeah. Tell me what it was like growing up in Calabasas and what happened when you heard about this story. So Calabasas was a, you know, a privileged place. Uh I drove a 73 Buick LeSabre, you know, a big boat um, that cost $300 and parked in the dirt side of the parking lot. But there were a lot of kids at the high school. Not that we were poor. I don't mm-hmm. want to make it seem that way. But a lot of kids would get BMWs in their driveways on their 16th birthday. You know, it was kind of like, you know, Beverly Hills in the Valley, if you will. Like there were three high schools that had great tennis teams in L.A., Palace Verdes, uh, Beverly Hills and Calabasas, and we would fight for the championship every year. So that <laughs> tennis was our sport. We lost in football. So there's Calabasas High, and then there's Indian Hills High. So one of the women who, well, at the time, a girl, right, a teenager, Rachel Lee, she, right. you know, is thought to have, have been the ringleader, and she had been kicked out of Calabasas High for stealing another girl's Uggs, I believe, and then, like, not yes. owning up to it. Yes. And, you know, Calabasas, the, the school district has only two high schools, like three, Agura and Calabasas, and then Indian Hills, which was the remedial high school. Indian Hills High School it was where some of the kids like Nick Prugo, who may have actually been the ringleader more than uh, Rachel Lee, w- were sent because they were having truancy and other problems, you know, in, in high school. And what was that place like? Indian Hills was... Uh, basically like mobile home uh, trailers beh- behind chain link fence on the campus of Agura High School. So when I was when I flew out there to uh, report the story, you know, I was sort of poking around on this just horrible like prison like little area mm. where these kids had to go while, yeah. while the normal kids had like green fields and you know nice cafeterias. Yeah. That is sad. So you flew to Calabasas to stay with yes. your mom and you started driving around. I, yeah. And I knew that actually these addresses were not the fanciest. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I went to the street that Nick Prugo's house was on, which was a Calabasas high you know, street. Um, and it was really like down in this canyon and it wasn't, it wasn't very fancy. I was knocking on doors. I was talking to neighbors just like you do. I went to Alexis Near's house also, which was uh, more in Agura, closer to Agura High. And nobody was there, actually. I left notes outside. I knocked on the door repeatedly. It seemed like nobody was home. So, <laughs> you know, I guess, uh, you know, what I took from my, you know, my experience was these were not kids who were simply privileged Calabasas kids saying, I want what, you know, Audrina Partridge has, or I want what Paris has. They were troubled kids because they were going to Indian Hills and these were not high achieving kids. And and they were, um, you know, back when I went to Calabasas and even, you know, in their era in the Audis, 
Um, if you were gay, you were on the outs. This was not cool. This there was a lot of homophobia. There was racism. To, you know, some of them were Hispanic, and Rachel Lee, you know, Asian. Even though there are plenty of Asians around, there was just a lot of racism, and there was a lot of not being. If you weren't, you know, blonde and cute cheerleader type driving around in a uh, BMW 320i in Calabasas, you were not the center of the culture. You felt like an outsider, just like I did. You know, it's like some weird, you know semi, you know, over-energized weirdo in braces and glasses. Um, I still sort of am that. And and so I identified in a way with them. So they were frustrated by something probably like in a lot of these stories. It was more about what's going on in your house. Are your parents together? Is there fighting? Is there violence? You know, uh, do you have trouble with your siblings? And I think what what I took was that this these were each troubled kids who would come together with each other in a situation um, at a bad, you know, a high school that was a bad environment without support and had, you know, yes, because of the particular moment in time, which was, you know, the kind of birth of the ability to stalk celebrities and know when they were coming and going, as teenagers do, you know, had figured out the technology mm -hmm. of it and figured out just a new way to act out, you know? And it's like a lot of these things. If some, if the if the wind had blown differently another day, none of this right, would happen. Right, right, right. Back in the 90s, Pepsi and Coca-Cola were in a heated race to try and win loyal customers by any means necessary. But when Pepsi launched an ambitious promotion that encouraged people to buy Pepsi and redeem points for prizes, they overlooked their own fine print in a major way. On each episode of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question. Who thought this was a good idea? Like, who at Pepsi thought it would be a good idea to advertise that people could earn enough points to redeem a military jet as a prize? When they launched their Pepsi points system, they never imagined somebody might actually try to snag it. But a 23-year-old did, and suddenly, Pepsi owed him a jet. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Big Flop early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Anybody who has a sibling knows that sibling fights are unavoidable. But what if every fight you had was under a microscope, on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince Harry and Prince William. They'd been each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother. But that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wandry's podcast, Dis and Tell, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Belisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle? Or was it something that began much earlier? Follow Dis and Tell on the Wandery app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Infamous from Campside Media. The story of the bling ring is about the ultimate celebrity parasocial relationship. 
It's a completely one-sided relationship where celebrities are things to be worshipped and consumed. In a place like Calabasas, just outside of LA, celebrity culture is so close you can touch it. Some members of the bling ring wanted to be famous. Alexis Nyers even got her own reality show on E! Everyone in the bling ring wanted to have the things that make you look famous. The designer clothes and accessories. But what they wanted most of all was the power. The power that came with being able to just walk into a famous, rich celebrity's house and take their stuff without getting caught. So there's basically these two kids, right? There's an Asian girl named Rachel Lee. There's a guy named Nick Prugo, and he is gay. And the two of them start this, you know, like best friend friendship, right, at the school that's sort of the school for the truants or whatever, the kids with learning yes. disabilities, et cetera. And she is sort of a klepto, right? Like she loves to steal. She likes to like be in people's stuff. And they start doing crazy, weird things. Like they paint a gun black and they start waving it at people in like their car when they're driving around. And they're just acting sort of insane, right? And then they start stealing. They come up with this idea of just stealing from cars at parties when they're leaving the party, right? Like somebody leaves their car door open. And that's how it starts, right? Yes. Even in their own neighborhoods, you know, in the afternoons, they're testing car doors to see which doors are unlocked and they're going through people's glove boxes and they start getting that little, you know, adrenaline thrill of the steal. And then it builds from there. They need a bigger and bigger drug. And then, you know, somebody puts together that you know, using a website called celebrityaerials.com that uh, they figure out where um, celebrities live, young young Hollywood and young mm. reality show stars. That's like and Celebrity Aerials is probably like the Google Maps of that time, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then they put that together with stuff coming off of TMZ and other celebrity news sites about, well, Who's out of town? Is Paris appearing at something in New York? Well, now we know she's out of town and we know where her house is. So mm. that will be a bigger thrill than stealing somebody's quarters from their glove box right. or Hyundai. Let's try that. Yes. And, and of course, and with that, you know, the the possessions and the sense of, you know, what's available at these celebrities' houses, they may be able to get a sense, I think, you know, inside themselves of being connected to a culture that they feel marginalized by. So what did you think when you found out it was actually this bunch of teenage suburban kids just committing these burglaries? Well, I, I immediately recognized that it was a story, you know, because, you know, it's it's a classic, like, you know, dog bites man, man bites dog. It was a man bites dog. These are the kind of kids who the normal crime you might, you know, expect of them would be vandalism or like shoplifting from Rodeo Drive if they could get away with it. Mm. But they've taken it to another level and it's gotten into, at that time, new kinds of burgeoning social media and the news coming in off the internet that was new. And so they had created this new kind of crime confection. Yeah. And also because of how they looked, they looked like young 
you know, potentially young stars who you would see on reality shows. When you know, as when you're in the business for a while, you recognize a story when you see it. Okay, so who did the, who did they rob exactly? Orlando Bloom, um, Audrina Partridge, Paris Hilton. Uh, yeah, but they went to Paris's house like a couple times. Yes, right? and Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan, right? I was looking at my um, original New York Times article. I think it ran in '09, and. I don't think I wrote this word. My editor probably did, but it was the word celebutant was in there. Oh, I love that word. Yes. Right. But like the, <laughs> this is when that word was born. What does that word mean? Tell tell everybody. You tell me. How do you, what do you, you it's love It's a celebrity it and a debutante mashed together. Right. I mean, it was Paris, it was Paris Hilton. Yes. That's, that's why the word was invented. And that's also interesting about it. It was these new kind of reality show celebrities who had been born in that era as well. These were not, this was not old style of Hollywood celebrity. These were reality show. I mean, Paris Hilton, of course, was famous for being famous. Yes. Like they were a completely new type of celebrity, right? This is the beginning. I mean, I think people think of the Kardashians sort of as the beginning of our era of fame, but I think you could definitely argue it was Paris Hilton. Yeah. And the, but they were, they, were, they, were, they were pretty new as well at this time. I mean, look, I just to turn it around on you for a second. Why did you want to snoop in on this story? I mean, you know me. Like anything that seems flashy, like I'm, <laughs> I'm always like, ooh, what could happen there? Ooh, it just seemed unbelievable that some teenage kids could break into these very um, obviously appealing to young people celebrities, right? Like they weren't going to Harrison Ford's house. Right. You know, there was a lot of talk at the time about, well, maybe you're going to get robbed by your trainer. There was a lot of robbing going on all <laughs> over the place. And people would have parties and, you know, and sort of fling their doors open to whoever. And people would walk away with like their silver communion cup. Lots of stuff was being filched all over the place. So how did they case these places? Did they case them or they just got the address and just drove on over? Yeah, it looks like they started out by just, you know, parking in front and seeing if anything was going on. And they sensed, I don't think there was a lot of casing. You know, these, these were not you didn't have to be brilliant to pull off what they did. But so in the like film or, you know, in the documentary and stuff, they show scenes of kids just like hanging out at Paris Hilton's house, yeah. playing with her things, stealing her thing. Like, does that sound accurate to you that they were just like sort of hanging out and like playing house almost? Yeah. I mean, that some of the stuff they have is from actual footage from cameras inside the houses. Right. Which right, people right. had. They didn't have it pointed outside the house as much. And that's how they got caught, of course. But mm -hmm. no, yeah, they, they went into the houses. They tried things on. This was not a uh, let's get in, let's get out. And they didn't necessarily know where the safe was and where the good stuff was. They just knew... You know, oh, I saw I saw them wearing this in a picture, or this thing is glittering, or you know, they almost went shopping. They didn't just scrape everything into like big sacks and get out of there. It was the adrenaline, you know. And this is this is where we get into the sort of addiction of it. And if you think about Rachel Lee, who's supposedly the ringleader, her father we know is a a, well, a gambler. Let's put it that way, almost a, you know, a professional gambler, or maybe even a gambling addict. And so what is what is gambling addiction? It's an adrenaline addiction, you know? Mm. And so the, as happens, you know, maybe genetically or, or not, Rachel had that same hunger probably for adrenaline. Yeah. And so this takes her out of her situation, which is uncomfortable. 
Yeah. And so just the stuff itself, which we know that they didn't fence it very smartly. I think at one point they just spread a bunch of it out on a blanket at uh, in Venice Beach and sold it for almost nothing. Right. It was just about the, you know, the thrill. And what was the stuff? The stuff was like Chanel purses and Rolex watches. Jewelry and some clothing, which, we, you know, we've, we can see in pictures that some of them were around. You know, this wasn't yeah. genius. Um, yeah. The stuff that young Hollywood still gets given in, um, you know, bling rooms. Right, exactly. That's the thing is, is a lot of this stuff was probably free to them to begin with. Yes. Although I don't think Rolex like just gives out watches. But I mean, the amazing thing to me is, is that Rachel in the documentary you're in has this in kind of incredible monologue where she's like, OK, before the robbery, the theft, I would feel totally anxious. Right. And then while it was going on. I would just be pure adrenaline. And then afterwards, I would just be like clear-headed, like I'd meditated right. for a week, like just could see everything about life so perfectly, just knew what everything was about, like why I'm here on this earth. And I just got addicted to that feeling. And um, Is any addiction different than that? Pretty much no. That's how it right. is, right? I mean, and also, like with alcoholics, they'll tell you that at first it worked. Right, right, You right. know, until yeah. it stopped working. I've always struggled with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money, and it does all that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses. I can see all my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com infamous. That's rocketmoney.com infamous. rocketmoney.com infamous. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Infamous from Campside Media. Now, there are lots of reasons why people steal. Maybe you need something you can't afford. Maybe you just want the rush. Or maybe it feels like a way to right wrongs. Like the rest of your life is so unfair. This is a way to balance things out, to get something you feel you deserve. And that sense of entitlement seems to play out today in self-checkouts. A recent study found that people with household incomes of more than $100,000 are the most likely to admit to stealing from self-checkout. 
Alexis Nyers certainly thought that there was something karmic about the whole thing. Her alleged words on courthouse steps were immortalized in Sofia Coppola's film about the burglaries. I'm a firm believer in karma. And I think this situation was attracted into my life as a huge learning lesson for me to grow and expand as a spiritual human being. I want to lead a huge charity organization. I want to lead a country one day for all I know. But how did they get caught? Well, the celebrity victims began to notice their missing Rolexes and designer clothing. As media attention grew, the teens knew they couldn't keep stealing for much longer. They decided to do one last robbery at Lindsay Lohan's house. But camera footage from her home surveillance system circulated online, and it seemed like the police would soon close in on them. Nick Prugo turned himself into the cops, hoping to get a good plea deal. He has a lawyer whose name is Sean Ehrenstoft, who is a good talker and starts, you know, pointing the finger at Rachel Lee, who doesn't really defend herself in the media the same way. And so she gets labeled as ringleader, which arguably, you know, it's hard to tell. And then they, because he gave everybody up, they just one by one got got arrested. And then, of course, the court case, you know, got ruined by, to some extent, by the detective. How, how did that happen? Well, because he, not only was he, you know, gloriously talking to all of us in the media way too much. When Sofia Coppola was making her movie about the bling ring, they hired Brett Goodkin, the detective, to not just be a consultant, but actually to appear in the film. Mm-hmm. And that prejudiced potentially the prosecution and led to them having to give very light plea deals to everybody except Rachel Lee. What does that mean, prejudice? Like they, you couldn't put him on. You couldn't have put him on the stand because he now looks like he's profiting from this story and really can't. Because now he has a financial motive for it to be more sensational and mm-hmm. just all kinds of ways he could be picked apart in cross examination. So, not being able to have the primary investigator testify at a trial I see. is not a okay. good thing for a prosecutor. So the, okay. they just scramble and they say, "Okay, please just take a you know probation or the lightest you know jail term wow. we can give to all these people." Rachel had pled earlier before all this, and so she did the most time. And so, what did she get, and what did everybody else get? Rachel was sentenced to four years and only served one, and Nick Prugo was sentenced to two years and also served one. So, I mean, really light sentences, right? Like, they can basically build their lives after this pretty easily. Yeah, but, you know, I guess let's look at it. If the point of jail is partly punishment but also partly to stop people from doing stuff in the future and being good members of society, then I don't know how great a members of society they've all turned out to be, but... They haven't gone back to jail again, so maybe that was the perfect amount of time. All right. That's amazing. Thank you so much to Alan Salkin, who is a writer of a book on Festivus, who broke the story behind Bad Vegan and can be seen on a new documentary from HBO Max called The Ringleader about Rachel Lee of The Bling Ring. Thank you so much, Alan. Thrilled to be here always with you, Vanessa. If you like this story, we think you'll also like our story about the early aughts phenomenon Girls Gone Wild and its unsavory founder, Joe Francis. 
just scroll back in your feed all the way to the oldest episode and look for the episodes titled Boy Gone Wild. Next time on Infamous, we'll hear about the real-life inspiration behind the movie Mean Girls. I was very charismatic. I knew how to read people. I just really had a very clear view of what was cool and what was not. Is butter a carb? On Wednesdays, we wear pink. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.